Welcome to RB. I'm Shay Howell, and like many of you, I'm working from home, sheltered in place, and finding new ways to celebrate milestones. While many of these conversations will celebrate the rhythm and analyze the blues of Black culture through the lens of marketing and advertising, I thought it was important to focus this conversation on managing the layered experience of Blackness during COVID 19. I invited therapist and author Chantel Biddings to join me, and we discussed anxiety imposter syndrome and her book i am enough i hope you enjoy now let's get into it with Chantel biddings self-care is a lot of taking time for myself checking in on myself making sure i'm okay and therapy is a tool that i use to be able to do that it's just a tool and so i would suggest that everyone have a therapist on deck that should be part of your team the rhythm and blues podcast I am a licensed clinical professional counselor, as you stated. I am actually a clinician in private practice. I provide individual, family, couples counseling workshops, and I guess tonight interviews um, about just what's going on in our world. So I I try to provide um, a high quality of mental health services for those in need. What made you choose therapy as your profession? I always knew that I wanted to be in the helping field in one way or the other. Um, And around about my senior year in high school, I had the most excellent um, psychology teacher um, in high school. And that really like piqued my interest, helped me to decide between being like an English major, which was, which I was leaning towards or um, psychology. And so After that class, I decided that I really was interested in our minds, the way we think, the way we behave, why we act or think the way we behave, um, and helping people just to lead healthier lives, not um, physically, but mentally and emotional, helping us to be healthy and helping us to be well. And of course, when I went to college, I just saw the need for more people that look like us to be in that field, you know, as, as what happens is when you start your studies, you see that you may be one or uh, one of a few in your classes. Um, and so that kind of propelled me to go on further with you know my master's and, and actually launching out into the field. How long have you been practicing? I have been in private practice now. This year makes 13 years. And I think I want to make a note that you are currently in Chicago or the Chicagoland area. We actually both are. And so we'll talk a little bit more about how people can seek out a therapist, what they should be looking for, and possibly some resources where they can find a therapist. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think before we dive into more of Blackness, COVID-19, the stress, managing it all, The first question I want to ask all of my guests is, when was the last time you felt represented? It could be music, books, television, doesn't have to necessarily be the arts, but something that you organically connected with. I think that during this kind of time of shelter in place, we have had the opportunity to see so many of the arts represented and see so many of us represented through all of the Instagram concerts and videos and kind of live concerts. And so for me, the last time most recently that I can think of was 
Friday morning, midnight, about the Thursday night, midnight, Jonathan McReynolds released his album and he actually released a whole uh, visual album presentation on YouTube. And that not only was a great representation of culture, but representation of faith and just well done music, relevant lyrics, and specifically speaking to the hearts and minds of people today. Now I'm jealous. I have a little FOMO because I totally missed it. It's so much. Oh, God, it's so good. At this point, it's like, how do you keep up? It's a battle going on on Instagram. There's a interview happening on YouTube. Like, it's so much really good content, which is um, really awesome. Um, Everybody's kind of showing up in support, trying to help everybody maintain mental health, feel a little bit better. Because it's been six or seven weeks at this point, we've kind of been sheltered in place, at least here in Chicago. We have quite a few states who Mm -hmm. recently um, reopened, and we yeah talk a little bit about that, possibly also. So the first thing I wanted to dive into is, FAM, we are champions for the accurate and authentic representation of African Americans in marketing and advertising. So many of us actually work within the industry. It's an industry like many others, where we are a small portion of those that actually work in the industry. I think it's about 5%. Many of us work specifically in uh, marketing towards the African-American consumer market. And when budgets get tight and brands are looking for additional funds, one of the first things that typically gets cut is a marketing budget, right? So there are multiple layers to this for our community. We have uh, first responders. We have those who work in essential businesses, which much of our community currently works in. We also have those that are, have either been unemployed or are concerned about their positions at this point and if they will be unemployed shortly. How would you suggest that we think about this and or kind of manage the stress that comes along with what this time means in terms of work and caring for yourself financially? Well, I would say that, number one, this is the best time that anyone could possibly choose to find a therapist. I think that during this time, everyone's anxiety is heightened. Even if you don't necessarily have an anxiety disorder, We're all just kind of extra aware, extra on alert because things are changing so readily every day. Our daily routines are not routines anymore. We are to find our footing in what this new normal looks like for us. And so everything is kind of upside down. Everyone is adjusting from, you know, going to work every day, going about your daily duties to everyone being in the house together. Um, Or for those that live alone, being at home alone all day. Um, And so that's a huge adjustment for everyone. And so I just want to remind everyone that none of us have ever lived through a time like this. And so it's okay if you are not okay every day. It is okay if some days you're you're operating at an optimal level of functioning. And some days you are just kind of like, meh, you know, just this there, just kind of making it. But it's okay because we don't have a cheat sheet for this. We don't have a a rule book. So get some support. 
is my number one thing for people. Reach out to family, friends, find you a therapist. If you don't have one, now is a great time to get one. The next thing I kind of want to discuss is the multiple layers that come along with Blackness, right? There is, I have often said, there's being Black, then there's being Black in America, then there's being Black in corporate America. Now there's all of those things and the way that COVID is affecting our communities. Um, When we started this maybe six, seven weeks ago, and I think it became very clear to all of us very quickly how serious this really was. Mm -hmm. It almost seemed as if it was something that was happening outside of us. But as many of the states are looking at heights, or peaks in terms of cases and deaths. And for some states, they're still saying that we have a little ways to go. It's creeped just a little bit closer to the people we know, to our families. At this point, it's almost easy to say that almost everyone knows someone that has passed away or has contracted COVID and, you know, is trying to find a a new normal right, in the midst of all of this, in every other way. I know my son is graduating from high school this year. I know you have a son who's graduating from eighth grade and going into high school. And what that transition means, there isn't an area of our lives that's not permeated by what this means, Mm -hmm. which adds this additional anxiety that you were talking about. And People may be experiencing things in terms of their feelings that they've never experienced before and aren't really sure what to do with that. So what are some basic things that can be done if you are unemployed and don't necessarily have a way to find a therapist? Um, Just some daily mental health practices that can kind of help you better balance what we're dealing with. Right. That is a great question. So some daily just self-care tips that we can put in place are like on days like today, when earlier today, it was like 70 some degrees. The weather was nice. The sun was shining before the rain started. You can make sure that you take a moment to go outside and get some of that free vitamin D that's out there. Take advantage of, of, of a nice day. And if you do nothing but go stand outside for a moment in front of your house or stand in the backyard or even take a walk around the block. That will help you to get a change of scenery, to help you feel a little bit better, to see nature, which is always helpful and a little invigorating for us all. I also suggest that if you can, again, days change from day to day, our our moods and our experiences change. But if you can try to set a routine, like try to make sure that you can figure out to get up around about the same time, you know, shower. Even if you're putting on a t-shirt and some sweatpants, change your clothes out of your pajamas. Try to develop a routine. Try to eat some, some good, healthy foods to feed your body well, hydrate well, drink your water. I also tell people if it gets too much, log off social media for a while. You know, we can't keep continuing to re-traumatize ourselves with daily briefings with update news reports. And then just, I think kind of the day-to-day onslaught of this person is ill. This person is in the hospital. This person has passed away. Sometimes can get a bit much. 
when it's just back to back to back. So make sure that you're mindful of your social media intake, of your media intake as, you know, as a whole. Make sure you're mindful of that. We want to be aware, but we don't want to overload ourselves. Let's talk a little bit about therapy just in general, because I think for the Black community overall, we're finally reaching a point that we can have conversations like this openly. Mm -hmm. um, there, it's far more receptive for you to potentially reference to someone that you are in therapy, that you're looking for a therapist. And that's new for us. We are used to either not having a therapist, not having access or resources to find one. People are, you know, looking for one, but are having a hard time finding one. So what would you say to someone that actually is still concerned about the stigma of therapy? So right before we started this, I logged on to DJ D Nice who was doing a live DJ set with Taraji P. Henson yeah. for mental health, right? Yeah. And, you know, they were asking people to donate and to send a text to no stigma with your donation, because that's something that we dealt with for a while. So how would you address that? I am just so grateful that the conversations are happening. I am excited about the fact that having Black clinicians, Black therapists is no longer something that is abstract and is actually very concrete. We're not unicorns anymore. People know that we exist and we're out there. And there's such a huge network now of African-American clinicians and therapists that can help you even if you don't come to one of us. We can help you to find someone. There's actually like websites for it now. So there's Black therapy for black girls there's therapy for black men you know those websites exist where you can actually go and find someone that looks like you and so i think as as we continue to have dialogues like this if, as we continue to bring up the conversation is it is more prevalent and we are become more okay with saying i go to therapy i have a therapist i think that more people in our communities will take advantage of that how important would you say it is to find a therapist that looks like you? I would preface it by saying that it is most important to find a therapist that is licensed and trained and qualified. And then the benefits, I think an additional benefit is having someone that's licensed, trained, and qualified that can relate to your same struggles. Sometimes it's not all about someone that looks like you because we know in the African-American experience, we've all had different experiences and different levels of privilege and income and all of that mm -hmm. we've had growing up. So there are different experiences. So um, that's why I start with license and train, but also culturally competent works well too. If you can't find someone that looks like you, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to. But to find someone that's culturally competent is important. It just helps. Like it's, it's like you're speaking the same language. You don't have to try to clarify yourself or qualify your statements. For me, having a therapist that I know relates to me and she understands exactly what I'm going through. And I don't have to pick the nice words to say. I can right. just say how I feel it. And to me, that's real important. Yeah. 
I would absolutely co-sign that. That's been one of the benefits for me that I don't have to qualify what I'm saying that I can share how I feel and it's immediately understood and we can get to how I can better manage or look at what is actually happening. So before we talk a little bit about how someone would know if they are in need of therapy, I wanted to share a little bit about when I realized that I had no other choice but to try therapy, right? I had thought about it for years, wasn't really sure how to go about it. There had been times and instances in my life that I wanted to seek out some help, but I thought I'll be okay because we weren't at the point where we were having this type of conversation. And I didn't know anybody that was going to therapy. And much of what was said about people who go to therapy is that, oh, you're crazy. Mm. Or, you know, if you are a person of faith, why can't you pray? And then that's the end of that, right? Like, why do you need anything else? But for me, it was hitting a brick wall that all of the things that I would typically do to feel better, to pull myself out of a rut, to push forward, which is something that we in our community do. And many African-American women, you kind of pick yourself up, you dust yourself off and you keep moving forward. And I couldn't any longer, like none of that was working. And luckily for me, the company I was working for had an EAP And I called the number and I was extremely lucky because the therapist that they recommended was you, right? Like Mm -hmm. you gave me a call and was on the other end of the phone. And at this point, it's been six years that I have been seeing you. And I oftentimes joke that when you retire, I guess I will no longer need therapy because (laughs) (laughs) that's it, right? And I realized just from talking with people how lucky I am to have found my first therapist to be the one that I'm comfortable with and that can support me for such a long period of time. So in terms of uh, people who are thinking about therapy that may be Christian or may be faith-based or spiritual, possibly religious, Mm -hmm. that are struggling between how they manage their faith And or what does therapy say about them and possibly a lack of faith? Yeah, I mean, I think that that is myths that are circulated through our community that you can't possibly go to therapy and still be a person of faith. And so when I do speak at different venues and churches and events, I want to make sure that people are clear that just because you go to therapy, it doesn't mean that you negate the power of God. It doesn't mean that you don't have enough faith. It doesn't mean that you're not strong enough in your faith. It means that God has equipped several of his people with different abilities to help us all along this journey. That is why we have doctors. That is why we have nurses. That is why we have psychiatrists and counselors and everyone else that you see to take care of yourself. That's why he's given us the knowledge to do that because ultimately we are all his helpers. And so if I can help in the therapy way and you can help in the, in the advertising and man and marketing way, then that's what we're supposed to be doing. So it, it in no way means that you don't have enough faith. It just means that you are human and you need someone 
but to help you through this human experience. So how would someone be able to identify if they need therapy? Like at what point should you seriously consider seeking out some support? Um, I would say that um, for me um, as an individual, um, therapy is just a part of my self-care routine. It's like going to get my yearly physical. It's like, um, you know, for me, self-care is a lot of taking time for myself, checking in on myself, making sure I'm okay. Um, and therapy is a tool that I use to be able to do that. It's just a tool. Um, and so I would suggest that everyone have a therapist on deck. You, that should be part of your team. Um, but especially if you are having issues in your life, um, and they are starting to impact your daily functioning. So if you are sad, you know, all the time, crying in the shower, um, can't really function, your thoughts are cloudy, you can't really do what you need to do, you probably should see someone. If your anxiety is past the state of you just worry a little bit of when something is an issue and, and it goes to you're worrying all the time and you can't really figure out exactly what you're worried about, but you're worried, you probably should talk to somebody. If you're having issues in relationships with, and this is not just about like um, romantic relationships or in marriage, but if you can't maintain friendships, that's the problem. And most of the time, the common denominator is you. So we need to figure out how to work through those things. What is the difference between a licensed clinical professional counselor and <laughs> other therapists. So a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And at what point would you look for one or the other? So we all are very much family. We're very much related. I'll start with psychiatrists. Psychiatrists are actually medical doctors, physicians that have gone to medical school and are licensed to prescribe medication. So not only do they deal with your mental health issues, but they also are qualified to prescribe medication for mental health issues. Psychologists, um, some also provide some therapy-related services, and they also are equipped to provide testing for figuring out exactly what's going on. I know a lot of psychologists do testing for ADHD. They do testing to figure out if there are learning disabilities. So that, that testing is on there and they also provide therapy. And then licensed clinical professional counselors or licensed clinical social workers are also licensed and trained and we also provide clinical therapy services. You mentioned a few services or websites um, or portals where someone mm -hmm. can seek out a therapist. So what additional ways um, or what additional avenues can be used to find a therapist? Okay, so besides therapyforblackgirls.com or therapyforblackmen.com, you can also utilize your insurance if you have it. So if you uh, have insurance, if you go to the back of your insurance card, there will be a customer service number or um, our behavioral health or mental health number on there. They can actually send you a list of providers you can qualify it however you want, if it's providers in your area, if it's providers that are African-American providers that are Christian, you can ask them and see if they can kind of quantify that for you and send you a list. 
There are also, you know, good old Google is there for you to find someone and plenty of other search engines. And more and more, we are seeing sites. If you just go through your Facebook streams, you'll see all kinds of sites that are out there for people that just want to connect to a therapist right away virtually um, or through text or something like that. How do you know once you've found your therapist Mm -hmm. um, or found a therapist, how do you know if this is the therapist for you? And at what point should you consider switching therapists? That's a great question because every therapist is not for everybody. And I think that we need to be okay with saying that. Like I consider, consider myself to be a good therapist, but I'm not the best therapist for everyone. And so what you should do is look at therapy like a relationship because it it really is. You have to trust that person. You have to value their experience base um, and their knowledge base. And so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like dating sort of, you go a couple of times, you figure out if you guys click, you figure out if um, their style works for you. Um, if it doesn't, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, this, this doesn't feel like it's a good fit for me, um, and I'm going to move on. Of course, we appreciate when you tell us that in advance and don't just ghost for your next appointment, <laughs> but it's okay to do that. It's okay to figure out if this works or if it doesn't work, because ultimately, if you are going to go sit with someone every week for an hour, you should like that person. Many of us do have children. I referenced earlier, your son is graduating from eighth grade. My son is graduating from high school. And so, or we have family members that Mm -hmm. we aren't just managing our own anxiety, our own challenges. You then have the weight or responsibility in many cases of the, for the other people in your life and what all of this means to them how they're affected. So for those of us who have kids, little ones, older ones that, you know, are preparing to go into a different phase of their lives or out into the world, how do we maintain our well-being when also supporting and looking out for them during this time? I think the best way is just having real open, honest conversation. Um, really talk and ask them how they're doing. You know, don't try to pretend like we all have not been locked in this house for day 573. Like, talk to them and say, you know, some days I'm struggling with adjusting to being at home with you every day, all day. How do you feel about being at home with me every day, all day? You know, Mm -hmm. is there something we could do differently? Do you want to have some game time, some walk time, or some more alone time? Because sometimes we take it for granted that kids value and need to be left alone sometimes. We don't always have to be talking to them and asking them what they're doing. So just some real open and honest dialogue. You mentioned earlier that you actually do have a therapist. Yes. And that is is part of your self-care. What are some of the other things you are doing now to stay centered and kind of help manage you and your family in the midst of this? I think number one is what I was laughing with my therapist about actually earlier today is that this is probably the most consistent that I have been 
with my therapy, my own therapy, mm. because of the fact that everything is so different now that I really take value in that check-in time that I do with her every two weeks. It's, it's really important to me. And it's my way to kind of breathe, to de-stress, to kind of really just talk about my stuff instead of um, the time that I take in everyone else's stuff. So that is number one in my self-care. Number two is since we can't go out and do hair and nails and stuff we're used to doing for self-care, I have been experimenting with all this stuff that I have up under my cabinet. You know, all my products and makeup and all that good stuff. That's a good little breather for me. Of course, we are all catching the newest series on our streaming devices and services. Yeah. I'm doing that. But also that like getting out to take a walk or take a drive has been like really, really key for me lately. Just I think because I, I can't do the stuff I'm used to doing, you know, going to Target, which was my number one favorite. Um, since I can't do that, just getting out and um, getting some fresh air and a change of scenery and not looking at my same little four walls has been very monumental for me because in general, I would not have had time to do that. I would not have time to take a hour walk or I would not have made, I won't say I wouldn't have had time. I would not have made time. Right. Take an hour walk out of my day. And so I think that has been crucial for me. What are you listening to in terms of music since the podcast is Rhythm and Blues, which yes. you don't have to listen to R&B, uh, but what have you been listening to? Well, of course, I told you the Jonathan Thimmick Reynolds, since that's brand new, I have been listening to that and all the concerts, of course, and I love the uh, Hezekiah Walker and John P. Key little uh, challenge thing this weekend. Uh, but my constant probably throughout this and even before this is uh, PJ Morton. He is like my go-to, whatever he drops, I'm getting it, you know, whenever he's here in Chicago, I'm going. And so that is my go-to. That is my work music. That is my, I need to get stuff done around the house music. It just is, is soothing for me. It's helpful to me. I love his, his vibe. So PJ. Let's talk about your book, I Am Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, when your book came out, I thought I made a note when I was preparing uh, for FAM and the launch of everything. And I hopefully we can have a conversation later about um, having a seat at the table. Yeah. For me, I am enough tied directly into that um, because many times we a seat at the table, but we don't feel like we are enough. So what led you to write the book? I think the book was a compilation of experiences um, and conversations that I've had with, with women, with my tribe. I talk about that, my tribe in the book a little bit about just my clients um, and people in general that, you know, we have this mindset that we have to take on the expectations of everyone else around us, whether it be media expectations, expectations from our um, culture, from growing up, from our friends and what they're doing, their accomplishments, and how it seems like everybody is just on top of the world 
shining, doing their thing, launching all kind of new stuff, running businesses, running the world. And so a lot of times that feels like a lot of pressure. And so I think the book was just my kind of way of saying you're like where you are right now in the space that you're in with your accomplishments, your education, your level of functioning, you are good. And try to just reinforce self-worth, like not even about self-esteem, about how you look and how you feel about yourself, just how much you contribute and knowing how valuable you are as an individual, I think was a driving force in me creating the book. And I also, going back to what we talked about with kind of infusing the therapy and Jesus conversation, I think that a part of the book, it was important for me to have some practical therapeutic guidelines and tips in the book, but also have that relate to scripture and how our our um, just spiritual beliefs blend in with practical therapy approaches. Well, it was absolutely wonderful. It's also a journal. It's a, you make notes, there are questions. It's extremely reflective. I was stumped a couple times. Um, so you did an amazing job. Like, wait a minute, let me really think about this and answer in a very honest way. I think one of the things that you mentioned when we were talking about, you know, just being enough or understanding what your value is and your overall worth. I want to take just a little bit of time here and kind of talk about a overarching theme. I think that has been within the black community that is something that we were raised with and surely many professionals in corporate America have um, taken on and kind of carry with them. And that is the, you have to work twice as hard to get half as much, right? Mm -hmm. And while that in many instances is very true and has given so many of us a really great work ethic and a tenacity to help us reach our goals and to open new businesses and be entrepreneurs and innovators, it's also, it has an underlying theme that you aren't enough, mm. that you don't have what it takes, or you don't have the value necessary to stand next to someone and be considered in the exact same way. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that um, in an early chapter in the book, I talk about what we refer to as the imposter syndrome where you feel as though you have, you know, you've done all this work, you may be accomplished in whatever area your study is, but yet when you get to the table, you've convinced yourself that you don't even belong there, that you are shrinking within yourself instead of really standing up for who you are and really believing your value and your worth and believing that you are in fact enough. I think that after you go through so much and you're so used to being the only one at the table, at times it, it tends to diminish your voice or make you feel or think that your voice is not important enough. And so a part of that is knowing that you are in fact enough, that you are important enough, you are kind, you are strong, you are important. Um, right. And so we want to make sure that we are not following, falling into that imposter syndrome and that we are really standing up and being exactly 
who you were meant to be. To that point, let's talk a little bit about authenticity. There is, in the same regard of not being enough, there is code switching that many of us have to find a way to function inside of the corporate environments or professional environments that we work within, the way that we show up every day, right? The way that we are physically represented and in many instances, right alongside doing twice as much to get half as much, Mm -hmm. you feel like you can't show up and be your complete and authentic self, right? Your natural hair or, you know, what you typically would eat at home. You think twice about bringing that to lunch the next day Mm -hmm. or, you know, things that you would normally talk about or just feeling as if to your point, you need to shrink to be present in these environments and be, accepted. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, because I mean, the reality is and what we've, what we've learned and what we know is that all a little bit of all of that is necessary for you to survive really in a corporate arena. But the other part of that is that being your authentic self um, is really being true to you. Um, And so if they wanted to call somebody else, if they wanted to have someone else in that position, they would have. And so what we have to be mindful of is that since you are there, you have to show up as real as you can. You have to show up um, and present your viewpoint, your experiences, what you bring to the table and and your most authentic voice. Because if you're there, you're necessary. And I think a lot of times we forget that our voice is necessary, even if the voice is saying, uh, y'all, that's not, that's, that's not, that's not true. Or that's not how it really happens in the culture. Or maybe you want to examine the culture even more because we need to have people there at, in the room. A lot of times we don't make it to the table and we need to have somebody in the room to kind of nudge the person at the table. Like, Hey, we still here. We, our voice still matters. We still have value. Well, I think the last piece, we need to, one, let everyone know where they can find you on social, your website. I don't want you to be flooded with requests (laughs) where I cannot, I'm fighting for a therapy appointment. I'm just saying this is serious, but let everybody know where they can find you. Um, So, of course, you're going to look at my website. It's www.cbiddingstherapy.com dot com it's my first initial last name c biddings therapy.com you can find me on social media on facebook look at my professional page don't send me a friend request but look at my professional page at uh, Chantel biddings lcpc you can find me there you can also find me um on instagram at c biddings therapy as well awesome this now gives me an opportunity to show all of my family and friends, who Chantel asked, I say it all the time. Chantel said, Chantel said, I have to go. I have therapy. Now everybody knows who Chantel is. And thank you so much. This was 
such a help and support to me. I appreciate you in more ways than one. Doing this, of course, made me nervous. And it just so happened that this conversation was important and necessary. And I got to do it with the support of my therapist. So thank yes. you. Yes. I appreciate you. Absolutely. And I commend you for um, having the conversation of being open and honest enough to say, this is my therapist. I go to therapy. I think that a lot of people shy away from doing that. And of course, you know, I always tell all my clients, you know, I I will never be the one to say that's my client. Um, This is completely on you. This is what you wanted to do. And I applaud you for just transparency um, because we need to have these conversations. Yes. We do. We need each other and whatever it is that we can do to support each other and for us to be better, especially during this time because we've got a long road ahead of us and we aren't really sure what's on the other side of this. But um, I've got a therapist and uh, I suggest you all find someone to talk to also. Um, It'll be a great asset to your life and to those around you. So thanks again for joining me on Rhythm and Blues and have a great night.